What's up, y'all, and welcome back to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I am your host, Brian Coleman. Hit me up on those Twitters and TikToks at Carefree Blurred, then IG and YouTube at Carefree Black Nerd. So this issue, we're actually going to dive into the movie Saltburn. Now, this is a slightly different from some of the content that's been released before, but there is a character in this film, Farley, who is a black, I'm assuming mixed race character, and there's a lot of things surrounding him, his mere existence, and the way in which he's portrayed and handled in this movie. But even a little bit more than that, I wanted to get into the movie, its presentation of wealth, its presentation of race and like how some of that intersects now this movie is wild as hell and there is a lot going on and we're going to get into it in this review um i did go see this movie last year in uh, december towards the end of the year and it was it was an interesting watch i will say that the full vlog of this experience is on the youtube channel so go ahead and check that out it will be linked in the show notes with my full experience from the time i left the house to the time i got my ticket and to the time i got back home <laughs> so you can check that out but if you have not seen this movie let me know by the end of this episode is this something that you're interested in watching there are spoilers in here so you know that might deter you if so go watch the movie come back and and, um, and check it out and then if you um, did watch the movie like I don't know about this let me know that as well let's make this a conversation use that hashtag CBN pod hit me up on those social medias and let's kind of talk shit about this movie and you know <laughs> and see where we all land so that I being said we're going to dive right into the review and um, shit hope you enjoy So I saw Saltburn. This was an interesting movie. And of course I have thoughts. Now, Saltburn, this is a 2023. It's listed as a black comedy. This was co-produced, directed, and written by Emerald Fennel. And this in this movie, it is set in England in the mid-2000s, in 2006-ish. Uh, the film, no, 2003, two or three, I don't know, whatever, two, or 2000s. Um, and it is follows an Oxford University student who becomes obsessed with a wealthy fellow student within his college who invites him to spend the summer at his eccentric family estate. That's a pretty good description. That's a pretty good description. I, at first watch, initial thoughts, I enjoyed this movie. I think this is a movie that can very easily morph into a cult classic. I, I see all of the ingredients there and side note i'm a little i don't want to say hurt but i'm a little hurt that 2006 is a way back enough that it it, it can be the past for a contemporary movie i'm so my heart is broken um so yeah that was that's a pretty accurate description so in this movie it uh world premiered at the 50th Telluride Film Festival on August 31st of 2023 and was released in the United Kingdom on November 17, 2023 and in the United States with a limited theatrical release on that same day. Then has a wide release on November 22nd. Uh, this movie received a say, generally positive reviews by critics at the 81st Golden Globe Awards. Um, that being said, 
I mentioned before, but every time I attempted to watch this movie, it was only showing at nine plus, like 9.15, 9.50, it was always nine at night. And it was a little odd to me, but going through this and, and learning about the movie, I guess it makes a little bit more sense. But like when I saw this movie, it was 9.15. There was some delays, some pushback with the time. So we only started like 20 minutes late, but it was at 9.15 at night. Now, uh, Saltburn had its world premiere at that 50th Telluride Festival. Um, in the US, Saltburn was given a limited release on November 17th, and it will be heading to Amazon. And so I don't know when this video is going to go up, but either you can look forward to seeing it or you can, at the time of this video's release, see it on Amazon Prime on the 22nd um, of December. So my initial thoughts, um, I enjoyed the movie. Now it very much fed into that dark academia aesthetic, that dark academia storytelling that you would get from like um, Dead Poet Society, The Skulls, things are very dark moody, Victorian English architecture, big heavy structures, college, haves and have nots, uh, Ivy League adjacent type stuff. And that is right up my alley, regardless of who's in the film. Like, that's something that I enjoy. I think that this movie did a good job of, like, relaying that. And in a 2023, 20, I don't know if the year truly matters. Uh, because I know this movie was set in 2006 in the summer of 2007. So, mm, that's contemporary enough. So, it's, it was, it's it's good so all in all i did enjoy it there were a lot of bonkers off the wall stuff that happened and now that i've had a little bit of time to sit with it my mind has changed a bit now i still enjoy it this movie is not without its flaws faults faults <laughs> but i did enjoy the movie um oliver is an interesting character and i think emerald did a good job at telling a story. Now, what well, his story in particular, I do think she fell short towards the end because a lot of it felt like it was built up to something that never actually happened. And that was a bit frustrating, but overall, I do think that this is a pretty good movie. Um, there are some things that I would like to see would have, well, see, I'm I'm conflicted because there are some things where she's dropped the ball, I feel. But then it's also like, if you watch, for example, Mean Girls, which is a cult classic in and of itself, it's giving you comedy, it's giving you some social commentary, and you can make the argument, me being specifically black in America, that it lacks on the representation side, not just in people in the movie, but like how you handle the ones that show up. The unfriendly black hotties, mm. okay, Tina Fey, what the fuck are you trying to say? But I think the same thing can be said for this movie where I can still enjoy it, but I can acknowledge some of the flaws in this movie. So if we're gonna talk about flaws, let's do it with the characters. So there's a few key players. We have Oliver Quick, played by Barry Keegan, who was <clears throat> Druig in Eternals. We have Felix. So Oliver is the lowly new guy, fish out of water, who is at Oxford and he's not wealthy and everyone else is just these hoity-toity, expensive, 
trust fund babies and he has a drug addicted dad and an alcoholic mom. Then we have Felix, uh, who is played by Jacob Al Alordi. And I think he was in, I think that's the guy from Euphoria, the bully, the like evil dude. Then we have Venetia, who is Felix's sister, played by Allison Oliver. We have uh, Farley, who is there. And I'm going to get this wrong, I think, because I, in the movie, I think they made it very clear. But with all of the mess going on with getting the movie started and all the people and talking, when I think I kind of missed that Farley is mixed race and he's black and white and he is Felix and Venetia's cousin. And I, I think that's right. But then throughout the movie, I was like, wait, is this a baby that the father had i don't know so that i am going to be be honest i i that is unclear to me but i know they say he was their cousin then we have the mother um elsbeth who's played by roseman pike then we have the father sir james played by richard e grant we have pamela who was hilarious played by carrie mulligan and then michael garvey who's played by ewan uh ewan ewan mitchell he was pretty interesting too, a very odd, awkward Ron Weasley type. Um, so getting right to the parts that I think were a little frustrating is Farley being the um, only black character, black adjacent character in the cast and the way that he was ah, set up as like the villain, the evil, the bad guy, which this isn't really intrinsically a bad thing because whatever, you just got people who don't like other people. Um, so I'm still kind of toying with my full thoughts on this, but I do know race was brought up because Sir James, it was mentioned that he had spent money on Farley to go to all these different schools. Like his mom was in America and then I think she was poor, destitute, something. I don't know that really details don't matter, but he, uh, needed money for something and he confronted Felix about having to ask for money and about the race element and about how Felix didn't even know the name of his, and I forget the term they used, but I think it's like Butler, who was a black guy. And I was like, the racial, addressing the race stuff, I feel like Emerald did a, it was an attempt, but if we were really going to get into the race and how that maybe affected that character. I feel like it wasn't, it, it felt a bit rushed. It felt like, okay, let's throw this in here. Um, but that being said, it still kind of fit with the story. But I was like, if you're gonna bring this up, there were so many other things you could have done. So I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but the thing that has me being maybe a little bit less critical about the movie is that it is so off the wall, bonkers, exaggerated to the ninth degree. And I say that as somebody who is not of this extremely high wealthy tax bracket that things folks in, I know nothing about this life. So perhaps this is just regular everyday life, but I think she did a good job at portraying what a lot of us may view as just crazy rich white folks. And so kudos to her for that. I think she's still, despite the issues that I have with the movie, I think it's still an entertaining movie. And it's given a lot. So for me, it felt like black chalk and if we were villains, which is two 
um, books that are dark academia classified. That's what this felt like. Because the whole time that I was watching the movie, everything that Felix uh, and Oliver did and Venetia and everyone else, it felt like, it felt like I was, it was something that I've read before. Now, Felix, the rich, wealthy, beautiful jock character, uh, takes to Oliver because he is, uh, has a, a hole in his tire, in his bike tire. And Oliver rolls up, switches out bikes with him, and then that starts their friendship. And to be honest, the first two acts of this movie I think were really good. Even the third act, to a certain extent, I thought was really good. And I'll say this, despite any critiques, I do feel like this movie allowed me to just be. Like it wasn't a whole lot of analyzing going on. I was just accepting what the movie gave me because it was so new and so different. And I, I think that despite its faults, I think there's something there. And it also tapped into something very specific that I like. It felt almost like, and I and I can't really explain it. I'll try to. It felt like train spotting. It felt like um, hackers, not in the grungy, deviant, subculture sort of way, but in the way it was presented. And I, I don't know if I could put it into words. If you understand, like if I said this and you heard it and you understood it, let me know if you have a better way of explaining that because I can't truly, I'm still working through how to get that out. Um, I saw a lot of mixed reviews about the movie and about people saying, oh, I didn't want it. And there's one particular scene where he drinks the bath water, he being Oliver of Felix, and people are like, oh, that's not, that's not for me. And that's all fine and good. But a lot of those moments were very shocking and very over the top. And it was almost like watching a soap opera just exaggerated, like, I don't know, just over the moon. So, okay, getting back. So um, Oliver is a kind of quirky, awkward guy. We got Felix, who's the jock beautiful everybody wants him be his friend to be his lover character then you have venetia which i couldn't i'm assuming venetia is older than felix because she did not go to school with them so i think she was out of college i think she was 24 24 or 25 um <clears throat> but the person who stole the show was the mother she ellsworth she Elsbeth, excuse me. She had the best lines. She was this kind of almost borderline neurotic over the top. Like when she saw Oliver for the first time, she was like, oh, he has beautiful eyes. And he was like, yeah, I told you he was uh, beautiful or something. She's like, oh, but you're so kind. You can't trust anything you say. Then the next thing she says to Oliver is I absolutely detest ugly things. They make me nauseous or something like she was saying the most bonkers shit like in the theater <clears throat> there were i bought my ticket i was you know sitting by myself and there was these two mm, younger white girls and then these two black girls and they're like i'll roll other people but we the five of us was cackling like this movie <laughs> but elsbeth she is the like if you're gonna watch this movie <clears throat> whether you hate or love the ending or however it all plays out Elsbeth is the one to watch. She hands down favorite, favorite. Can't can't say anything bad outside of the bad shit she does in the movie. She's very impressionable and led astray very easily, which is something that I thought was a bit odd. 
watching these wealthy people and the way that they were being able to be manipulated so easily, but whatever. Then we have Sir James, who's the father played by Richard E. Grant. Now he was good too. He, to me, I almost thought that he was very childlike. And I was, I was thinking like, is this a product of just being so exorbitantly wealthy that you don't have a care in the world that you can be this aloof, oblivious caricature of a grown man and that's what he was and I it was it wasn't frustrating it was just a little ah and then I thought like okay is it is it the wealth that is allowing you to be this way or is this just how you are and how, and also is it the wealth that has me noticing this and what does this look like with average regular everyday men in media like I don't and I, and I know there's some out there, I'm sure, but I can't recall a husband, father character just being in the way that Sir James was able to just be. Like he had a suit of armor at the ready that he wore at that uh, Midsummer Night's Dream party that they had. He was like, oh yeah, I go wear my suit of armor. What? Why do you have a suit of armor? <laughs> also there in the UK, so maybe that's just what people have over there. I don't know, but that was that um venetia apparently she had an eating disorder um they mentioned that and the way that elsbeth discussed her i was like this is criminal this is not how you talk about your child this is not how, like uh, i don't know there was a lot of uncomfortable moments there but she was very interesting clearly the rebel character the um going against the norm of what this high society family uh, presents. She was very interesting. Um, and then we had Farley and Farley was, Farley I think fell in line with what this, like it was very clear that this world was new to Oliver and it was not new to Farley. And I make the distinction of Farley because he was the outsider. He was the cousin, the character who was not part of the nuclear family in Saltburn. But the way that he acted, it just, you could tell that he was raised with these people. And he even mentioned at one point after he got put out, um, you're just visiting here for the summer. He says to Oliver, he said, this is my home. Uh, but all in all, I think it was a very diverse as far as personalities. I think everybody brought something to the table. There was never a character that I felt like, oh, this character could have been combined with this character. We didn't need such and such. I think with the cast we got, it was done well. So there were quite a few things that happened in the movie that had the audience, had us shocked. Um, I know there was the drinking of the bathwater. There was the scene where Oliver watched Felix masturbate in the tub because they had this shared bathroom at on campus, not on campus, at, the, at Saltburn because their rooms were like hotel suite room. Oh, whatever they were connected by the bathroom and there was a moment where Oliver was met met Venetia outside she was always outside at night like in a robe or something and he started playing with her sexually with her sitting on a bench she told him don't do that it's my time of the month and he was like he said something like um lucky for you I'm a vampire excuse me there was a lot going on in that scene that I just, ugh. and I'm not, not, 
they're okay let me let me take things back so when oliver is at school he arrives meets his little weird ron weasley character who is very intense uh to establish a baseline of them being the losers the ones who are not connected Oliver quickly gets rid of him, not intentionally like seeking out to get rid of him, but he, once he got locked in with Felix and the rest of the wealthy kids, he chucked them to the side. There came a point where Oliver was reminded or was brought up as he kind of eavesdropped that he is not like everyone else. And it's like the women did not want to be bothered with him. Is it because he, he buys his clothes like secondhand or something? I don't know, whatever. But it was it was it was interesting. A lot of these reveals like that to me didn't feel awkward. They felt like okay, this could have possibly happened. You're at a school full of wealthy people who are just used to just being the center of attention, just existing. So there was a moment where I was like, what if they just turn around and see him there? But I was also like wealthy or not if you're locked into a conversation with somebody and you're walking yeah you'll observe your surroundings but i could see that not being an issue that they didn't turn and look directly at him uh, but he was very calm about a lot of the revelations that he consumed absorbed understood throughout the movie which was like i felt that there was something off about him something very weird or that he was a very peculiar person. Uh, he did have that terrible home life and that was part of the bonding experience with Felix. And when he got to be too, Oliver got to be too much for Felix, Felix was like, look, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm good on you. I'll check you later. But one thing that stood out is that for all the wealth and access that Felix had, he was, I don't want to say cowardly, but he wasn't as assertive and strong as it seemed like he should have been because of all this wealth and access and power where Farley to me was the stronger of the characters in this movie. And when I say strong, not just like in depiction, but just in the continuity in the world of this movie, he was the one that felt like to me, he's like, they say stood on business about everything. Um, cause I know that it's hard to have, um, hard conversations with friends and family and whatnot, but for you to have this frustration with Oliver, it's almost like you could see that he intended to just ghost him instead of directly confronting the issue that he had with him. I was like, bro, what are you doing? So Oliver ends up finding out that his father died. He goes to Felix's room. They hadn't talked in a while. He's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know where to go, but whatever, they talk, they reconnect. And when the summer comes around, everybody's out of school, he goes back to Saltburn with them. And then that's when the weird stuff starts happening. Like this very eclectic family, uh, the mom's friend Pamela is there. And Pamela was funny as hell to me. The whole movie was funny. I'm not gonna hold you. I laughed a lot. Like this was my type of humor. I laughed throughout that entire movie. And I think I laughed at a lot of stuff that was not intended to be funny, but I was like, what? It was, it's like you're watching this and it's like, am I being punked? What is happening here? Why am I the only one who, who sees the humor in this? <laughs> so that's kind of what it felt like. Um, um, with with Venetia having her eating disorder that was discussed by her mom. Like the mom, the mom talked so much. And I guess they were so used to just doing and saying whatever they wanted that everything that 
Oliver told Felix about his mom being a drunk and his dad being a drug addict and his head, busting his head on the pavement and all this other stuff was repeated back to us as Felix, I'm sorry, as Oliver walked towards the den where everyone was watching TV. And she was speaking so loudly. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> it's just, it's so odd. So over the course of the movie, what happens is there starts to be this bit of a sabotage that, and I don't even know if I could call it sabotage or if it's just like game playing because Oliver transforms from this kind of meek, sad character to this like shit starter, this instigator. And one of the things that kind of frustrates me with the movie is that it's to what end? Because he was doing like with Venetia, he, uh, how do I keep this? He played inside of her while he, when he said that vampire line, and then he put her blood in his mouth and put it in her mouth. And they did this whole like kind of sexual dance there. And that was very shocking and it got its intended point across. But after that scene came and went and we got the fallout of like Felix being upset. He's like, you're my friend, you came in for me and you're here with her. And then Oliver's like, oh, well, who told you that? Oh, Farley saw y'all. He said, well, Farley's lying. So he started like sowing these seeds of like lies and frustration and whatnot. But my, I, my thought was, what is this for? Like, what's the point? Because it's one thing to be like, okay, I'm this poor person. I need to let, attach myself to this rich guy and that's going to boost my social status. But then the, be at his home and if that's the intended result, you can just be at his home with him and experience all this wealth and access that he has. But to then go and like sleep with his sister and then lie about like that to me did not make sense. And I'm saying that as somebody who's seen the entire movie. So even at the end of the movie, that didn't make sense to me either. So, okay, no, 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 no. That, the thing he did made sense, but what did not make sense is like the reasoning. So the mom reveals about the eating disorder and stuff and he uses that to kind of play into her, to put dominance over her. He's like, oh, you're gonna go and sit at the table. You're gonna sit there and eat. You're not gonna run to the bathroom and throw up and all this other stuff, sure. But we didn't know, like what if Farley didn't see them? And then there's nothing to go back and tell Felix. And like, essentially what I'm getting at is, though the movie was done well, some of the decisions that were made seemed like they were for shock value because those decisions independently on their own we're like, okay, what's this for? Even take, forget about them being on their own without someone to observe those situations. They don't play into the larger story. Cause spoiler alert, we find out that Oliver is the villain. He's the one who has gone through all this work of getting these people, getting close to them and sabotaging them. But I was like, to what end? That made no sense to me. I was truly, Shock, like it was a pretty movie, shot beautifully, great wardrobe, great music, just all great all around, but like, what is the point? And that's, that questioning of what is the point is what made the movie fall flat for me. Because one, rich people, I'm not in whatever tax bracket those UK wealthy folks are in, but how, and maybe this is 
part of the satirical nature of the movie is like, oh, they're so self-absorbed and brushing things under the rug that they are allowed to be uh, manipulated in this way. But I was like, for these wealthy people who are so attached to their money and their access and their privilege, how do you let this outsider come in and just kind of dupe you in the way that he did? So that, but I can, I can suspend belief for that because again, that's not my community and I've seen that time and time again in other movies and whatnot. So that's neither here nor there. But ultimately the goal for Oliver was to get Saltburn, but I don't understand why. So it comes out that um, Oliver's family is not this downtrodden drug addicted family that he portrayed them to be. Felix ends up answering Oliver's phone. Now, all of this is done off screen. We don't see this. He talks to, Felix, to Oliver's mom and then he surprises him with a visit back home. And so the whole time they're driving and Felix is like smiling, happy, supportive friend. Oliver is freaking out. Felix is like, you, I talked to your mom. She didn't sound drunk. She saw she's cleaning up her act. You gotta talk to her. You gotta, you know, so you gotta work this stuff out. So they go to the house and the mom answers the door and Oliver is shook the entire time. And she says, oh, your father's outside at the garden. And that's what, but now before that, I figured that they were alive, but you know, that's what I do. But the whole audience went up like, okay, what the fuck? Cause we didn't expect that. Well, they didn't, but I did. Um, and so you can see Felix reacting and trying to be polite because the parents don't know about these lies and it turns out that Felix I'm sorry Oliver is from a pretty much middle class family very nice house he has two sisters that he never discussed uh family looks like they make you know pretty decent money they're very well put together very much what you see when you think of suburban people be they in America or the UK you know just you know beautiful wealthy beautiful well-off family and that made this a little bit more frustrating, not frustrating. Um, I don't know, it, it, it was a little weird, not because you expect this to only happen with poor people who get a little bit of access, because I don't know what that says about you, if that's what you think. But I, I think Emerald did a interesting job of turning that on its head, but did not go the extra mile. Because I don't care that he was middle class, like that, that doesn't pull me out of the movie, but my frustration is, why is this what he's doing? You can't simply say, oh, he wants money. He comes from a decent background and also money in and of itself never seemed to be the driving force for him. Like he never said, oh, I'm at school to get a better life, to have all this money because I'm so poor. Like that's implied because initially we thought he was from a poor drug addicted family, but there was never a conversation like, I need this money, Frankie. Like without this money, I'm gonna die and never amount to anything. Like you're at Oxford. Um, they mentioned that he was a scholarship kid, which I'm assuming that was true, but the money aspect never played a huge part. It was more or less the interactions with the wealthy, it was brushing shoulders with them, specifically Felix. So that kind of threw me and then when everything was said and done, because essentially Oliver killed everybody in that family. But when all was said and done and the end goal was Saltburn, like the actual estate, that did not make any sense. It, it, it just didn't connect with me. There's nothing within that summer that 
Oliver did or said that made me be like, oh, he really wants this place for himself. It just feel like I'm around this man who I love and his family and I'm enjoying them and I just want to eliminate the things that would stop me from being able to enjoy them. I always thought, through, always thought, throughout the movie, it felt like it was the access to Felix and his family that was the end game, not Saltburn itself. Like that was weird to me. And so if you watched it and read it that way, let me know, but that, it just didn't make any sense. So ultimately he um, confronts Felix because Felix, after they leave Oliver's parents' house, he's like, look, we're just gonna go back to the house. We're gonna uh, let my mama throw this party for you. And then you're leaving. I don't wanna have anything to do with you. You crazy. He's like, oh, you're not gonna tell your family, are you? He's like, hell no. As soon as he, as soon as Felix said that, I knew Oliver was gonna kill him. They mentioned quite a few times people jumping off of out of windows and off the top of buildings. And I assumed that Oliver was going to push Felix out of a window or something, but no, he just poisoned him. And so they found him the next day dead in this humongous labyrinth of a maze that's outside in Saltburn, which why is this here? Um, and the way that they reacted, like Elsbeth, she screamed, which alerted everybody to where to go. But then it was like, oh, it's time for lunch. And that's not something that I'm against in the movie because I felt like it was very much them coping with the loss of the prodigal son. They were doting on him so much they loved him. And so the kids, Farley and Venetia, were the ones who had visible reactions. Um, but the parents, like the dad, still had this like jovial youthfulness to him where he he really did, the actor did, did a really good job at like committing to that character because all of it felt real. Everything that they did felt real. But I was like, oh, this has to be a, a prison sentence that you're living in that you can't even experience the full range of emotions after the death of your son. Like you have to hold up this facade and it's so second nature to you that you can't even grieve him properly. Oh, I was so sad. So one of the weirder parts of this, one of like the drinking bathwater scene is when they buried Felix and Oliver cried on his grave. Everyone left. Of course, he was buried on Saltburn. Everybody, everybody left and Oliver's on the ground holding on to his, the cross that would later be replaced with a tombstone and on the earth, just holding on to it. And that felt, that was very emotional. And I was like, okay, no matter what's happened, because at this point we didn't know that he was the killer. It was like, I, I get this. Um, and I like the way that they play with Felix and Oliver's relationships. And a lot of the relationships in the movie where the only person who was like explicitly labeled as gay or queer was Farley. But there was something with Felix and Oliver that was a bit more than platonic. And Oliver mentioned quite a few times how much he loved Felix. Now, that scene with him hugging the earth above Felix's casket got very interesting when he took his shirt off and took off his tie. And I was like, okay, this is a choice that I don't know that I would have made, even if I'm grieving for someone I, I love romantically. But I was like, okay, I don't, you know, I'm with it. This is an artistic movie. It wasn't until he pulled off his pants and started having sex with the earth that was above Felix's grave. That was like, hmm, that is also a choice. Um, not only because you're doing this very unconventional thing, but you're also doing this 
when someone can just come find you, like his family, yes, they're grieving, but who's to say they don't double back and want to just come see his grave again? And you are having relations with the earth six feet above where this boy is buried. So wild. This was a very wild movie. I'm not going to spoil a lot anymore of the like weird, odd, kooky parts of it because I feel like if this is a movie that I, I would love for someone to just see and then give me your thoughts. Like I may have to do a second installment of like discussing this movie with someone else because this is wild. So once it hits Amazon Prime, if, if it has already or once it hit it, whenever this video goes up, I, um, I'm going to want, I'm probably going to want to do a, another installment just to react with someone else. But so, um, Oliver, uh kills felix and then next venetia goes and then he gets rid of farley now i am um i've said before in previous uh podcasts and previous videos and things of that nature that when it comes to representation and diversity you have to really be careful when you're not of a certain group and you portray them on screen in comic books and books and all of that because you run the risk of doing something that may not even be intentional but it's very harmful and problematic and i feel like with farley they told the line with that but i will say that um farley was not murdered and that's something that though it is just base level stuff i still appreciated that because they put him through a lot of shit but did not kill him so um, they just had him sent away because he did coke. And his issue uh, was why is Oliver here when he was Felix's friend and Felix is gone? Why are you still here? <sighs> and Oliver hit him with the, you was the one doing coke when this boy died. And so I feel guilty too. And Sir James was like, you gotta go. You gotta go. This is the last time you're ever gonna be here. We don't wanna have anything to do with you. It was, it was intense. So he was going to put off the map and then one of the, and I'm still getting, I'm circling back to the end to the whole salt burn acquisition. One of the scenes that was a little kind of odd for me is Sir James after everyone died and Elsbeth was kind of leaning on Oliver. She really liked him, it was clear. James asked him to leave. He was like, you got to leave so that we can properly grieve privately as a family. Oliver refused to leave. Sir James pulled out a checkbook and was like, how much? How much to get you to go? And they never established if he took the money. And on one hand, I want to assume that he did because years later, we see him in a coffee shop hair a little different like he's he's played up he's made up to look older as if he had a pretty decent life and so on the one hand i want to say that he did but then on the other hand i'm like if he was at oxford you're probably going to graduate and get a pretty good job so i don't know if it's that he took money and i feel like he did not take money because once all of that happens and we get to present day and oliver and talks with elsbeth because she runs with him at a coffee shop and she's like, oh, you look good. You've grown or whatever. And that was one thing she said to him. Oh, you've grown. And that was so heartbreaking because it, it, I she said it. And first thing came to mind with me was like, oh, you're grown. You're an adult now. My children did not get a chance to grow like they're forever in her memory 
in 2007. They have not progressed because they're dead. Like, oh, that was heavy. But she said, oh, you're grown. And when him and her talked, she was like, oh, I want you to please forgive Sir James for what he did, how he treated you. And I was like, but how did he treat him? So a lot of stuff happened off camera that feel like it should have happened on camera. Like, what are you talking about? He treated him nicely. The only quote unquote bad thing he did was offer him that money. And it's like, I don't want, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm going to assume he didn't take the money, I guess, because of the way she's, she discussed him, but that makes it even more frustrating because we see in the paper that Sir James died. Then they get to talking him and Elizabeth and she invites him up to Saltburn and you know, they're together and she signed over to deed to him and all this other stuff. But I'm like, it was never explicitly stated or even hinted at that Saltburn is what he wanted. And so when he tricked her into signing everything over to him, because I mean, she pretty much saw him as a, as a son. Because we ended in 2007, we do the time jump, and let's just say we're in 2023, because I, I, I don't know, whatever. We're, we are years after 2007. Were you paying the long game? Like that to, because let's say Sir James didn't die. Let's say Elsbeth died. Sir James don't like you, apparently, is how they put it. So you can't get Saltburn from him. And so let's say Elspeth died and then Sir James. There's nobody to take Salt. Like, it was, it, to me, it falls apart because this man did not actively go after Saltburn. It was not clear. So when they, when they do the flashback, you see all the killings that he did. And I think it's even alluded to that maybe... Well, no, I don't know. Maybe he killed Sir James, but I don't think so. Because I think Sir James died years later. So, but whatever. It, all in all, good movie. Beautiful movie. Great cinematography. Great use of music. Great overall. Like a pretty good movie. But this movie falls apart at the end. And it falls apart heavy. Because what is the point? You're already middle class. I understand wanting more. Who doesn't want more and, be, and to be wealthy and whatnot? That's fine. But you want more. And the more is salt burn, and the only way to get it is to kill everybody. What? Why do you even want salt burn? So you get it. I just I don't know, y'all. I just I feel like this this makes the whole movie fall apart. Now I'm still gonna enjoy it as just what it is. This odd, kooky, weird, eat the rich or eat them and then become them sort of movie, but like. I truly don't get it. So if you've seen the movie and you understand or or you perceived it a different way, like that ending specifically, let me know. Because I truly can't get my head around why he wanted Saltburn. And if the if if events happened any other way, he would not have had Saltburn. And that's important because with you not seeding in these thoughts and ideas that showed him actively going after Saltburn. Where even if we didn't see it at first watch, when you do the little flashbacks and show him doing all the evil, devious stuff, you you didn't even show a conversation of him like with his parents, like screaming at them before Oxford. Fuck y'all! I want more than this. This is not enough. You you settled in life like there was nothing connecting the desire for Saltburn by Oliver to him obtaining Saltburn. 
And even when he killed Elsbeth, I was like, I really thought like she was the one out of everybody that he loved. He was like, no, I hate it all, y'all. It's like, what? Where did this come from? So again, I know I feel probably hypocritical or a senior hypocritical saying this, but I did enjoy the movie, but I understand that this movie fell apart and there were so many things that could have gone better, better decisions, different decisions. I'll say different, not better, different decisions that could have been made. Um, but I don't know. What do y'all think? Did you enjoy Saltburn? Is this something that you even had your eye on? Are you were like, oh, no, that ain't for me. Whatever the case may be, let me know. Put it in the comments um, and all that good stuff. So what I recommend this movie, I think if you are someone who is interested in dark academia, if you're someone who's interested in um, a good, a wild ride, this was a wild ride. And I think that if you watch it, because I, I feel like even with all the stuff that I've said, it's still an enjoyable watch. I feel like you are still going to, because I didn't discuss everything and there are a lot of things that may make some of this make more sense to you than it did to me. But I think this is an interesting movie. Um, there was some nudity, wasn't a whole lot, but it was like a lot of booty cheeks. <laughs> um, there was some frontal nudity with Oliver. And it wasn't a whole lot. If I have to put a number on it, I'd say maybe collectively two minutes, maybe maybe three, just to be safe. About three minutes of front spread throughout the whole movie, not just in one scene. I'm just shaking his junk, nothing like that. Um, I think Elsbeth and her dialogue was uh, superb. I think Farley and Elsbeth were probably the best characters in this movie. They were very, uh, he was snarky, uh, conniving, and had a chip on his shoulder, and he made for good, snappy, sassy dialogue. For Elsbeth, she was like very fast. Um, what can I compare this to? Um, I don't know, I'm sure there's a sitcom out there, but the, her, her dialogue was very fast, very in your face, and very, very informative. I think she was the best out of all of the cast with Farley coming in second. And uh, mm, I'll put Oliver at third, because Felix was boring. Uh, he served his role, but he was boring. Um, the butler was kind of like a, yeah, I don't know. He was, he was a little different. Um, all in all, decent movie. So again, I think I would recommend it, um, especially if you like that artsy, awkward, weird stuff. Um, if you like any of the movies I listed prior to, I would say watch it. And if you, you know, like this weird type of stuff, I don't know that I would say this is a psychological thing. I'd say it's a very dark comedy. Um, I'd say that. I don't know that this is psychological or anything because, again, that ending, weird, messed me up, and that's that. So, this has been uh, my review of this odd movie. If you watch it, come back to the comments and let me know your thoughts. If you don't, that's fine and good, but let me know what you thought about what I said today. <laughs> so, hit me up on the social medias at... Uh, Twitter and TikTok, Carefree Blurred, at IG and YouTube, Carefree Black Nerd. And I don't know, man. Stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. And if you find yourself connected with a extremely wealthy friend on college campus and you go home with them for the summer, just don't kill their family. Like, do that, do us that small favor. Don't kill their family. Just enjoy the summer and take your butt back home. 
All right. I don't want to be crazy no more. Every time I 